listening to a Kink in the Chain podcast. Welcome to the Kink in the Chain podcast. I'm your host, Rope Squirrel, and as always, we have... Ritz Cracker. Yay! It's good to see you again, Ritzy. Oh, yes. It's very great to be back. It's been again. too long. Today. Again. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've got an exciting show for you this week. Like always, we've got your questions ready to answer, and an article. we got some fun stuff coming up in the pipeline, too, don't we, Ritzy? Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We've got interviews, we've got product reviews. It's happening over here, that's for sure. Oh yes, I'm super excited. <laughs> so, for the article this week, we dug through the internet and found a wonderful article about kink and terminal illness. In short, it's an article about an elderly woman who had uh, kidney cancer, which uh, I admit this is not the most happy of topics this week. I mean, if we wanted to, we could talk about how now in a variety of U.S. states, it's now legal for women to be topless. I mean, that's a nice thing we can talk about. Yes. But I figured this was going to be an interesting one. We'll talk about that sometime. That would be a great topic. It is. So this article is about an elderly woman. Well, she's not that elderly. She's in her 50s. Uh, She was diagnosed with uh, kidney cancer, and it had to come out. And needless to say, it was a success. And she was okay for a little while, but then her second kidney started to fail, and she had to go on dialysis. Okay, that, that's kind of the depressing part of the whole article. But the short version of the premise of the article is that the woman did not feel like living after that. She didn't want to be on dialysis. She felt that being on dialysis meant that her life was over. Until she found kink and BDSM. And at least it doesn't mention in the article, but it sounds like she's still alive to this day because of that. She found her dominant side and found that it gave her a purpose in life again. Rather she than, had a reason to live. Yes, rather than being defined by her illness and being hooked up to a dialysis machine and every so often. It, she felt that, oh my god, I now have a reason to live. I thought this was a pretty inspiring story. What about you, Ritzy? Um, it actually reminds me of people that I know. So it kind of made me kind of sad. Sad how? So I have a friend who had a stroke. Um, She used to be very big in the community, and then she had a stroke. And she got put into a home by her husband. And so she was pretty much abandoned by her husband and her daughter. So they are out doing their lives and while she's in this home. But she still had like her dominant and a couple of kinky friends who come and visit her. They take her out on these little trips, and so she gets to do her BDSM play, and it keeps her a reason to living, because right now she's paralyzed in half her body, but she still can get satisfied in another half. She just has to be careful of not getting cuts and things like that, because, you know, on the paralyzed side, because it can cause bleeding, and she doesn't feel it, or things like that. So, it's a little sad that she's been abandoned, but it's also good that she still has those people in her life that are BDSM related that keep her going and keep her motivated through this whole event in her life. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, one thing I found interesting about the article in particular was how this woman used BDSM as a way to redefine her life. In kink, as we've talked about on previous episodes, creativity is paramount. 
We take things that usually are not meant for the things we are using them for and instead use them for those things. I'm sure somewhere out there there's a toaster with a warning label on it that says, please do not insert into anus because somebody has done that before. Of course, like we say, everything's insertable with enough lube. But we are very, we're creative people as, as kinksters. So her ability to redefine herself as not just her illness, but as also, uh, in this case, she is a top, a dominant. Her ability to redefine her life in terms of BDSM has really helped her reshape what she could have been. She could easily just sit there and be depressed, hooked up to a dialysis machine and, in essence, waiting for death. But instead, she's chosen to embrace life, change her perspective on things, and be a happier person for it. Right. Um, and also, when I was when you were just talking, I was thinking about like how people use this for addictions as well. They use BDSM. Like, I have a sugar addiction. So I, when I was first fighting my sugar addiction, because I was eating five thousand calories of sugar a day, and that was actually causing more damage, a huge amount of weight gain. And then I had a sir who came and like beat me up every time. Well, not beat me up. I had a sir come and discipline me. Every time I did eat sugar, which helped me get through that process and helped me like realize like I'm killing myself with the sugar. I need to stop. And I actually had somebody in the BDSM community help me get through it. And so I no longer rely on sugar like I used to. I do eat it randomly, but I don't eat like 5,000 calories a day of sugar. The BDSM is not just for people with terminal disease, like in these situations with terminal they can also have addiction help they can help people financially i've noticed like some people will like i can't handle my finances so i'm going to give it to my sir and let him do everything and deal everything so that i learn how to do it or he'll teach me or he will deal with it so i don't mess up so i've seen submissives also go that's like that track as well so bdsm is more of a tool than it is you know and a lifestyle more than what people make it out to be And I thought these two paragraphs of the article were really, really good. They say, The BDSM community is inclusive of people with large bodies, small bodies, old bodies, young bodies, and modified bodies. Some of those modifications are even chosen for erotic or identity purposes. And others are the product of experiences that might have been less welcome, but the distinction means little in terms of acceptance. This broadly accepting community facilitates connections that can help a person fight against the often alienating experience of illness. Or many of us assume that vanilla sex between heterosexual partners to be a private matter, we recognize that kink, BDSM, and queer sex have long been grounded in communities of advocacy, activism, and mutual support. That isn't to say that every person feels connected immediately when they discover their sexuality, but it is to say that the communities are there to be discovered and they can be lifesavers. So in in essence, even though she may have this debilitating illness, we are the most welcoming and accepting bunch of people that I've ever been involved with. We accept everybody from every shape, size, creed, religion, whatever. We accept all kinds of people. And so she is very welcome in our community. I was just rather inspired by the article. I thought I was able to relate to the article, even though I don't have a terminal disease, I was able to relate with my life, my life choices. I I admit I did have a, a, twinge flashed in my head which was like oh god no my, my mother is dealing with something very similar and is this going to be her oh i don't think i want to think about that but <laughs> um, you know whatever they do in their bedroom is what they do in the bedroom true but if 
my parents show up to one of our local events, they'll be like, hi, <laughs> uh, how's it going? You know, parents I, and kids always do that. Don't I know. I'm going to be in this corner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys have the place for the day and I'll move out of here for now. I'll switch clubs. <laughs> you can have this one. Yes. But anyway, I thought this was an interesting article and uh, check it out. I think it's a really good read and, and rather inspiring. I agree. And now for your questions. Ooh, question time. I'm so excited. Yes. We, we, we like to help around here, don't we, Ritzy? Yes, I like to help. I like to give advice. Even though I'm not a medical professional, I still like to give advice. But you look cute all dressed up like a nurse. Uh, I'm nurse. Hey, it's going to be Dr. Ritzcracker and not Nurse Ritzcracker. You got to get it straight. Will you write prescriptions for boxes of Ritz crackers? Yes. Okay. All right. Then I guess that's okay. <laughs> so our first question comes to us from Stella in California. And she writes, I like to think of myself as a woke person, but I'm having difficulty with the whole transgender thing. I never know what I should be calling people pronoun-wise, and I'm always worried that I will offend someone by using the wrong one. How can I navigate this new landscape of sexuality? You make the mistake once, and then they'll correct you, and then you never make the mistake again. Exactly. And a lot of people in those categories are understanding of new people that they may not get their pronoun right away. Now, admittedly, there are some people who... I, I think get a little oversensitive with new people. Now with people they've known for years and years using the wrong pronoun, that's a different matter. But a brand new person who walks in, I think a lot of those kind of people give you the benefit of the doubt the first few times until you get used to it. I, I, I know a lot of us are somewhat societally conditioned to use he, she um, pronouns. But the pronouns are becoming a more bigger thing. So for example, um, colleges now, like I have a professor who hands out like a little inform information sheet the first day and it has like your name and you know, where are you from? Or like, what are your interests? What are you wanting to learn about? And what are your pronouns? So I know more people are becoming aware of this, especially in like the education system um, and also in the kink community because there's so many different pronouns floating around. There's like six different types that I know off the top of my head, like he, she, uh, they, they're, theirs. Then there's the X for gender, is it gender neutral? Uh, gender non-conforming non or? Um, so it's Latina, Latino, and then there's Latinx. Z and Zer. Z and Zer. So I know that there's all these variety ones, and I actually have a slide that I use in some of my presentations for uh, when I'm talking about pronouns. So it breaks down at four people, so it also can educate them. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of education. But you should never actually be afraid to ask a person what their pronoun is if you are confused, because they are more than happy to tell you. They, some people might get offended, but can't, you can't make everybody in the world happy. Some people do get offended from the silly things, like a vegan getting offended at a meat eater. That I've seen fights happen like that. But, you know, it's just something that is trying to become a natural thing. And again, the first time you can ask, and if you still continue to, to make mistakes, most of, most of those kind of people will be forgiving for the first few times as you start to get used to them. And they'll, they'll, they'll appreciate you trying regardless. I mean, they want, they have their preferred pronoun that they want, and they appreciate if you use it. I mean, the ones that go he, she, um, uh, 
those are are somewhat easier. Obviously, if somebody wants to be called Zizer and you're not you're not familiar with that term, it may take a little while. Most people though are are willing to give you the time to figure that out, and then once you figure it out, it becomes somewhat second nature. I'm friends with a number of people who I don't want to say they don't pass as the gender they're trying to be because I mean. I can very easily tell that they are not of the gender that they are claiming to be, but I have trained myself that whenever I see them, whenever I talk to them, whenever I reference them, I immediately use the correct pronoun, and eventually it'll just become second nature to you. Um, yeah, so just just give it time. You'll eventually learn it. And the ones that get mad at you, honestly, screw them. I mean... Yeah, it, but what do you do if they get mad at you? Uh, I you extricate yourself from the situation. You just go, I'm sorry, walk off, and try to try to remember what they were th- wanting to be next time, and try to remember that. I, I think a negative experience will definitely stick in your mind, and you'll you'll remember that next time if, if you want to interact with them. And if they don't want to give you a chance, screw them. I mean, some people get offended. The, the GameStop person comes to mind if you recall that incident. No. Oh, okay. It was a GameStop employee was talking to a, a, a transgender woman who, let's just say, was somewhat borderline as far as what gender they were. And they said, uh, have a good day, sir. And then the this person turned around and said, it's ma'am to you. And then proceeded to wreck the store, started throwing stuff around. And it's on it's online. It's a viral video. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Um, needless to say, I think that was a bit of an overreaction. I think they should have just said... I'm sorry. Uh, of course, they were also a little bit upset that GameStop wouldn't take back a copy of Fallout 76, but that's a whole nother reason. Right. Yeah. Uh, terrible game if, if you haven't played it. <laughs> but anyway. Um, well, and sometimes you have to be careful because some people like to dress up or pretend to be something else, even though they don't. Like, for example, my father. My father was very big into like dressing up as a woman to deceive people. But he was never actually liked being called a woman. Well, in the end, you just you ask and say, you know, it, it, and assume you assume they're going to correct you if you say it wrong, yeah. and then just try to use the correct one in the future. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they get mad, eh, screw them. Yes. You know, just do. I'm not saying it's your fault. So, thanks for the question, though, Stella. We appreciate it. Yes. Our second question comes to us from Josh. Now, now, Josh, you didn't tell us where you were from, and that, that's okay. Uh, we, we don't require that for questions, but uh, it's nice to know. I, I like to know what part of the country I'm, I'm hearing from, because then I can offer you perhaps uh, local advice. Like if you're asking, you know, where are the good clubs in my area? Well, what area do you live in? But anyway, this question's from Josh. And he writes, I really love BDSM. However, my entire life, I've been told not to hurt women. With my current partner, I've tied her up and pleasured her, but now she wants me to hurt her. And I'm not sure how I can get over my societal conditioning. Any advice? That kind of hits home with me a little bit. I don't know about you. I I, I hit men. Well, but, <laughs> but that's considered somewhat societally acceptable. I, mean, I know. I was just, it, sorry, I shouldn't be giggling. I mean, look at any rom-com where it's like, you know, you screwed up, slap. I mean, that's perfectly acceptable versus you know oh you did bad punch like that's that 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 would be considered very very negative (laughs) there's always it's bdsm 
it can be hard to overcome that initial stigma and that, um, you know, like, uh, oh, please hit me. Oh, I can't do that. And it, there's also a risk as well, because, uh, again, the societal stigma and, the, you know, if you hit somebody, even if they're, I don't want to say, if they want it, if they're wanting it from you, somebody who's not part of the BDSM community, who's an outsider, might look at that and go, oh, my God, domestic abuse even though that's not the case. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you turn this into a prize, uh, a, prize a title fight and be, you know, decking your, your partner or anything like that. But if she wants you just to hit her with paddles and floggers, I mean, it's what she wants, right? I think you should start out simple. I mean, you put her over your knee and smack her ass and be like, woo, I did it. I hit you. So start simple. That's, that's my advice. Is like, yeah, just start with the basics and then move from there and get you can get more complicated more aggressive more i don't know what other word i'm trying to think of because it's awesome like that um more advanced oh more advanced so you can get more wow more creative more aggressive more advanced all those different things from just a simple like starting in the basics agreed and if your issue ends up being the fact that you're not gaining any pleasure out of it or you're feeling shame out of it what i usually like to say is that you want to attempt to transfer the pleasure that they're feeling onto yourself so you may not enjoy the act of hitting or you may feel shame for the act of hitting but if you look at their face and they're smiling and they're laughing and they're giggling and they're telling you how much they love it and, and they want more take some pleasure in that knowing that you are providing a service to your partner and they are enjoying themselves I think that will help you overcome some of your apprehensions about it. And it will definitely go a long way towards helping you enjoy more time with your partner, enjoying that, uh, that activity. I admit from my own personal things that whenever I am playing with people, whenever there's a female-bodied person in front of me, I do not hit as hard as I do whenever I have a male body in front of me, even though... Technically speaking, the female body can take more pain than a male body can, at least uh, biologically speaking, which is... Biologically. But whenever I see a, a a gentleman tied up before me, I just go full power and because there's no stigma in my mind. And so I understand where you're coming from there. But I've just learned to look at that person and go, I am loving it. And if you need that validation, have them tell you like, oh, is that all you got? Or, or hit me again, you... you you pussy hit me again something like that so that you know that like they're egging you on that can help you a lot to get over that that stigma mm-hmm. you have a, another dom yelling behind you that's so funny i would actually try that i will get behind a guy and be like yes i'm gonna actually try that now so i'm gonna stand behind a gentleman who's beating a woman and i'm just gonna start calling commands out of him okay so you're gonna be doming another dom Dom while they're yeah that sounds like a brilliant answer to this hmm okay so bring in a third person and little little order no hit her harder like that would be quite the conundrum because especially if you didn't want to hit them and you're just like uh but this person's ordering me to do it yep hmm especially when a prize is involved like you can be like okay if we do this and you do exactly what i say you get this prize awesome bribery i love bribery i take bribes yes yes i do yes you do in my profession i'm allowed to do you now yep under 50 dollars. <laughs> okay because anything over 50 dollars, you have to put on your taxes 
Okay. Well, so I can actually use this in BDSM where, you know, yeah, you bribe me. I'll do stuff. Hell yeah. Well, since we established last week that you're a spy, you know. <laughs> so enemy spies are giving you forty nine ninety nine trinkets to look the other way? Is yes, that... pretty much. Oh, okay. She's dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I swear. I have been told that. Like, I've been told that in the last 24 hours. I am a trained professional. That is pretty damn scary when you first meet me. But, man, am I good at the skills I have. You have a particular set of skills. I do have a particular set of skills. (laughs) Making boys cry is one of them. Mm, Okay. Okay, then. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, because I just turned that into an awkward situation for the little rope squirrel over here. He is like, uh, I don't know what to do. (laughs) So our third question comes to us from our Discord viewers. So if you're interested in joining our Discord, we do have links on our website. Uh, We also offer that as part of our Patreon rewards. So if you do donate to us, you get special perks on our Discord server. Very exciting. So our next question, though, comes to us from Jacqueline in Kansas. And she writes, hearing you two talk, I have a question for you both. What is one thing you wish you knew day one of this lifestyle that you know now? Do not shove frozen corn dogs up a girl's vagina. Oh, do tell. <laughs> okay, so it didn't happen to me. It's just, I'm just... Okay. Okay. So, it was a little ridiculous. Anyway, you shouldn't... You should not shove um, corn dogs up people's vaginas. So some things will defrost in your body and they will not come out. Even if you do Kegel exercises to push things out, it actually can get stuck embedded in there and you have to go to the hospital to remove it. So there are certain items, ladies and gentlemen, you should never shove up your body. Okay. (laughs) I wish mine was was nearly as funny. It's not, unfortunately. When I first came in the community, I knew very little of anything as far as BDSM goes. And I initially assumed that my job was to be there to take as much pain as the top wanted, not what I wanted. So as far as my negotiation was, it was I am your slave or submissive. I believe I was a slave in this case. Uh, Do what you will. I didn't know that I needed to negotiate. I didn't know that I needed to set limits for myself. I just said, do it. Now, I I actually surprised myself how much I could take. I left many a scene with large bruises. In fact, she, she was hitting me at one point with a tennis ball on a stick, and it left a huge knot on my leg that kind of swelled up at one point. And nowadays I go, I don't know how I took all that. You were with her for quite some time, too. I was. Because I even met her. Until I learned a little better. <laughs> Until I found another submissive and and was educated a bit more than I was. I Again, I just assumed that that was what a, a slave did. That's that you just, you give yourself and do what that, you're there to, to provide pleasure for that person, not for yourself. And so I wish I'd knew, known that going in. I would have changed a lot of things about my initial BDSM experience. But here I am today. I think I, I learned my lesson and I try to warn others, not of that partner, but of what they need to do when they first start out. And I counsel a lot of newbies. I don't know about you, but... I am a 
a cherry popper is what they call me. So I pop people's cherries on a regular basis. That is the thing I do. And I do it correctly so I prevent like sub frenzy and everything else. So it took me a long time to get to that point to not do everything and everything to one person at one time. Especially as a top. I now can prevent sub-frenzy. I take things one at a time. Like, I'm working with new submissives right now who have no idea what they're doing. They're like, I want to try everything right now. And I'm like, no, no, you can't. And so I have a lot more control, more self-control, and I'm able to guide them a little bit better in the knowledge that they have. But Jacqueline, thanks for the question. The amount of newbies that I deal with on a daily basis, I attend our newbie events. Um, I am part of our toy bag tour for our newbie events. So these are literally people who have just read Fifty Shades of Grey and just walk into the lifestyle not knowing anything. Um, in fact, tonight I have a newbie scene that I'm doing, uh, literally, and I've never... I've played with this person once before, but I definitely have to keep her on a short leash because <laughs> she keeps wanting more and more and more. And I'm like, no, 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 take it slow. There's no hurry. We're not, not rushing yet. So it can be very difficult for me to counsel newbies because I, I, I want to just do all the things sometimes. And when I see and I often go, let's do all the things. But I've been around a while. <laughs> just like you, Ritzy. Right. <laughs> so thanks for the question. Ooh, yeah, the, thank you guys. It's really appreciated. And if you all want to ask us questions on Discord, we are more than happy to answer those as well. Or on any of the sites that we posted our radio show on. Indeed. Sorry, not really. Any of the locations that we post our podcasts on, they will have comment sections for you to write questions. Even if you don't want to, some people don't like to slap their name on things, and that's perfectly fine. It does help us so that we can make it more personalized, but I understand that if you want to keep things secret, you can do that as well. Or just make up a name. That's fine by me. Only you'll know what it is, so. True, you can do it that way as well. I won't ever, if you send us emails, I won't ever publish your emails. Uh, directly your email addresses of course so just send us notes yep podcast at kinkinthechain.com you can also use your fetlife names if you want us to use those too and i'm also we have an account on fetlife for rope squirrel feel free to send messages there if you wish because ritz cracker has been slacking she has been (laughs) i promise i will get all my websites up and going um you'll get to see a little bit of my photography and a little bit of everything else i do too so Awesome. So, we've come to the end of our show, and this is the point where I like to throw in a quick plug for our Patreon and various other things. Uh, For those of you who do not know what Patreon is, Patreon is a site where it lets you directly support independent creators. What we do here, to be frank with you, we spend money to bring you the show every week. Um, You know, aside from the microphones and the recording equipment and the hosting costs and ritzy paying gas to drive here for example uh there are some costs involved now we do this it's a labor of love we love doing it and we won't ever stop doing it but if you want to support our work and improve what we already do feel free to check us out on patreon if you go to our kinkinthechain.com website and up at the top you'll see a link that says support there you will find a variety of ways you can support the show including the patreon we also accept bitcoin if you really want to send us bitcoin we also have a number of partnerships with various sponsors and e-shops where you can make a purchase, sometimes get a discount, and support the show at the same time. Uh, there's also going to be a new article coming out specifically that I've done in collaboration with Motor Bunny, 
It'll be posted on this blog as well, on this show as well. And there's also links to places like OxyShop where you get a discount and we get a small percentage of the sale. And thank you very much. We really do appreciate it. If you have any other way you'd love to support us, please email podcast at kinkinthechain.com. I will do whatever is necessary. And if there's platforms you would like to hear this podcast on that it's not already on, although I guess you're already listening to it, but if you want to hear it on your favorite platform, please let me know. I've put it on most of the major ones, and if there's one you want to see it on, enjoy. We're also available on YouTube. If you have not checked us out there, we're on YouTube. Yay! It's it's great. And eventually we'll be doing a live podcast. We will. But otherwise, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And as always, stay kinky, my friends. Check us out on the web at kinkinthechain.com. Follow us on Twitter at KinkChainShow. Or call us. We don't bite unless you ask nice. Have feedback or want to submit a question for a future show? Send your emails to podcast at kinkinthechain.com. What are you doing? <laughs> I am dancing around naked for you. <laughs>